0: Tickets go on sale this Friday, the 26th of April at 10 a.m., but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday, the 24th of April at 10 a.m. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: And welcome to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. This week's guest, well, I actually can't believe I'm, I'm sitting with her, to be honest, for a chat about motherhood, is... Well, she's a broadcaster, a columnist, she writes amazing columns, a screenwriter, a trustee of Comic Relief, director of Red Nose Day, as well as a mother of four... It's Emma Freud. It's Emma Freud. It's Emma Freud. <laughs> Does there anything else you want to add on to that list?
2: No, it's one thing I'd like to slightly take away. Okay. So you called me a columnist and I put that down on my Twitter handle when I, had, <laughs> when I had two columns and then last week I got sacked from one what? of them. So I think I'm only just a columnist now, I've only got one.
0: Well, that's Okay.
2: I'm fine with it. It was a funny moment. I was actually sitting down to write my column and got an email from the editor.
0: It was yeah, definitely
2: better than after. And got an email saying you've already written your last column for us. Bye. Is that it? Pretty much, yeah. And I wrote back. It was for Tatler. There's a new editor. He yeah. didn't want anyone who'd been a oh, yeah. contributing editor before. And I wrote, you know, very odd. You know that thing where you write an email at, in, 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 a, in a mood, an mm. emotional state, <laughs> and then you think, oh, I won't send it now, I'll send it tomorrow. And, <laughs> and then, then you, you send, said, it. I'll yeah. send it. <laughs> so I did send it, and this is what my reply to him said. So I've never met this man. Yeah. I've never even come across him. He, but he was brand brand new editor, and he went, you've been sad, goodbye. And I said, why? My column's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't heard from him since. No! But that was all my email said. I oh. thought it was quite brave or really foolish or <laughs> unbelievably arrogant. Anyway, I've now been sacked.
0: Yeah. But you still have another column? I do,
2: yes, in the, the BBC.
0: But you have on your own website as well, so will you keep writing them? I don't you think anyone's bit... ever gone to my website. I don't. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. I loved it. I love having all your blogs, all your columns in one place. Oh, thanks. Did That's you read any of them? Yes, I did. I read read loads of them. Did like you? your year away.
2: Oh yes, we had a year in New York. I Had my gap year at the age of fifty-four. I love quite that. Fun. I yeah. love that. Do you remember a piece about David Cassidy? No. <sighs> Go back, have a look. It's my <laughs>
0: favourite. Is this you? Your teenage years? Uh,
2: yes. Well, it's about it's about how much I loved David Cassidy when I was a teenager, okay. and then what happened the day that we met him. Oh gosh, that was big.
0: How old well were you when you met
2: him? Uh, Scarlett was two, so it was 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah, so I was mid-30s.
0: Did he live up to the hype?
2: Beyond. I
0: oh, so cut to the end of
2: the story for <laughs> yeah. you. So we met him and we had lunch with him, Richard and I, my boyfriend yeah. and I. And it was, I mean, it was, it was everything you would dream. Yeah. You're, the person you lived for 20 years earlier would be like. And then at the end of it, he said, "So, what are you doing for the rest of the day?" That's not how he speaks. And I said, "Oh, we've got a little Christmas party tonight with some friends and their children coming over. And and actually, I've got this Father Christmas outfit that." we rented in the hope that somebody would put it on and give out presents to the children do you want to do that and he said (laughs) yes he did he did and he came to our party with a huge beard and the great big (laughs) father christmas outfit and i put him into it and he had to ask me to leave my bedroom so because i forgot to go and he had to go down to his pants and he came out with the beard and the presents and he handed them out to the kids and i didn't tell anybody who it was (laughs) That's amazing. Until after he got Imagine
0: gone. if your teenage self could I like know. go forward and I say, know. one day David Cassidy's going to be your Santa.
2: It's big, isn't it? Yes. I know.
0: That's amazing. It was sort
2: of the best moment of my life. I don't know why I even continued living after that. <laughs> it's like no moment will ever get better. It's better than the birth of all my children.
0: <laughs> all of them. Um, talking about teenagers. Yeah. Well, you've gone through it. Oh, you've had little kids and teenagers at the same time. I have. I've had four children. Yeah. And they're now
2: 14, 16, 20 and 22. So there isn't an age really that I haven't gone through and come out to tell the tale just about the end.
0: And how have they been? How have the different phases been?
2: Oh, gosh, it's been such a ride. My favourite, my favourite of all the ages is teenage. Really? Oh, I get such a bad press. But honestly, gee, it's such... It's so entertaining. I mean, whether you are crying or laughing, it's so... You're so present in it. And they're amazing, these people that you've, you know, helped to create. And then they become this completely individual, beautiful, nightmarish, hilarious, awful, fantastic, Mm. strong-willed, you know, completely individual entity, and they live in your house. And it's exciting. It's very exciting. But the thing that you get, which you don't get when they're little,
0: mm.
2: when they're little, it's very taxing on you all over. It's yep, very taxing yep. physically. It's very taxing trying to get your head around how you're supposed to be doing it. But what it doesn't really tax is the sort of IEQ part of you. Mm. And as soon as they get to teenage, you are it's like you're an agony aunt. Really? Pretending not to be an agony aunt or just trying to work out how to navigate it. But also you find yourself living with your best friends. Oh. And you go on holiday with your best friends and these weird, wonderful people who live in your house actually become the most entertaining people that you know in a good and a bad way, but the most vital people that you know. And you kind of don't need any other entertainment because it's all happening under your own roof.
0: Oh, that's so lovely. It's
2: really fun. See,
0: all I've got, I'm worried about the teenage years and the boys turning into these grunting Kevin and Perrys. You, you kind of, you know,
2: you get that, but then yeah. you also get the other side of it and that they still sit in your lap. Oh. And then when they when they say anything, it's so... Rewarding and interesting and awful.
0: <laughs> I'm worried though because buzz turns four yesterday, which is going to date this podcast. And I've started thinking about, not yet, obviously, but at some point, are we going to have to stop like the kissing? No. The, no, no,
2: no. My 20 year old, I, I would do him with tongues if I possibly could, if it wasn't <laughs> quite so illegal. It's, but he doesn't like it, but I do. No, you, you carry on kissing and you carry on cuddling and you carry on snuggling, and you carry on holding their hands as you walk down the street. Because
0: it's just a social... It's something that we put on ourselves, isn't it? it yeah. But and, and also, they'll shrug
2: you off a lot. Yeah. But at any moment that they don't... Yeah, you, you can just <laughs> sneak the hands straight back in and cuddle and... All, no, no, no. I absolutely insist on as much physical contact as is possible because a lot of the time it isn't. They will push yeah. you away, but then you just push back. I love also, there's this amazing mm. moment when, you know, you walk down the street with your kid and you put your arm around their shoulders. Yeah. And then as they get older, it gets higher <laughs> and higher. And then there's suddenly... I've just had it with my 14-year-old where he puts his arm around my shoulders because he's just become taller than me. My littlest is now yeah. bigger than me. And it's great that... And then suddenly they get a little bit protective about their mom, and they start seeing you in a slightly different way that you're yeah. not quite so embarrassing, although you're still very embarrassing, <laughs> but you're occasionally quite... He will
0: be about to hear you saying about tongues... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shut up about that. It's <laughs> it oversharing. I'm all about oversharing. Oh, all about oversharing. So, what's been the toughest stage? Now you've gone through them all. What is the toughest bit? For did me, you Did you like the early bit?
2: No, not massively. Oh. I mean, it, there's something very engrossing about it, and it's sort of like sitting an A level all the time, isn't it? Yeah. I kept thinking I've got a degree, and it was easier than this. <laughs> So it's it's like doing a very hard crossword puzzle. So I find it very, very engrossing like that. But no, it it uh, I, no, I wasn't very good at that back a bit, bored.
0: Really? And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about, though, because they feel like, oh, I've really wanted these children, but if I say that I'm bored, then, you know, people will say that, oh, well, you don't deserve your kids then.
2: Yeah, well, it, that's another nice thing about coming out the other end of it. You can look back and go, you know, this bit was better than that bit. As yeah. soon as they began talking, it helped. As soon as they began reading, it helped or I could read to them. You know, then you kind of have the sort of central thing that bonds you. Yeah. But no, I definitely, from like eight onwards, I would say, it gets, for me, it got better and better and better. And then the teenage bit is just heaven. I mean, I watch TV, I watch box sets with my 16-year-old <laughs> and we both sit there and he cries and I don't. Aww. And it's just great. And we we've we sort of learned, we, when when we moved to America two years mm. ago, my 16-year-old was then 14 He didn't enjoy it. He didn't enjoy it at all. He felt very lonely, very cut off from his friends. And he went very, very inside himself. And he was 14 anyway, so he was about to go teenage. age. And we then found this TV show called Friday Night Lights, which is an American, very famous show in the States. And it had done seven series. So there was a lot of (laughs) episodes. And it was about a high school and the American football team there. But it was also about the families and the parents and the girlfriends and the loves and the life. So it was sort of equally boy and girl. Right. You know, if you want to stereotype it. And we began watching it together because he had no friends there and was hating it. Yeah. So I said, oh, we've been told about the show. Let's watch it together and we watched all seven series together (laughs) and the conversations that we had during it and after it as they ticked off the subjects of, you know, miscarriage and... Abortion and wife-beating and abuse at school. And this. and so we kind of created this... Like a conversation starter. Yeah, it really was. And we watched one episode every night and it was 45 minutes where we'd sit there at the beginning of the Series 1 on either sides of the sofa <laughs> and by about the middle of Series 3, completely hugging in the Aww. middle of the sofa, so excited about this show and what it was going to be able to do for us. And honestly, that show created the relationship that we still have now
0: that's amazing
2: i wasn't expecting that at all but that's how it worked
0: because i think so many parents when when their kids get to teenage years they worry about losing them yeah you know that so many other things are going to go on and and you've got to kind of let them go off and live their life and explore and stuff and and get a bit hormonal and not want to talk to you it's about getting that back and, and retaining that
2: it is and i don't i mean i wasn't expecting to find it in that route yeah and it hasn't worked like that with my 14-year-old now, with my fourth child. But I think, you know, whatever little window you get given, and that was a little window. He was mm. very lonely and he eventually began looking around at his family and saying, I don't even like you, but you're the all I've got. And I jumped on <laughs> it. And now he it. Likes
0: you. <laughs> yeah, it worked. He <laughs> went from do to actually <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, something. What made you go to America in the first place? Mm. Because you had two children by that point who were already abroad studying, is that right? I did.
2: I had two kids at American universities.
0: How hard was that, letting them go? Oh, lovely. Was it? Yeah,
2: really nice. That's the gorgeous thing about the end of the teenage years, is by the time they get to 18 and they're beginning to want to move out, you're kind of done anyway.
0: But is this one thing, moving out and going up the road, but another thing, moving out and getting on a plane? I
2: guess they they come home in the holidays, okay. and there's Skype, and there's the family That's WhatsApp true. chat, yeah. and there's phone calls and FaceTime and all of that. So it doesn't feel that different to if they were in Leeds or Sheffield or Manchester. Right. Or if I think about something.
0: how much I actually see my mum and dad. Exactly, it's <laughs> a bit different. and
2: they probably live in London, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, Essex. Yeah. And when I went to university, my parents never came once. No. I mean, literally, I don't even think they knew where I was.
0: <laughs> so, well there wouldn't have been like the like the communication like there is now you're no, right let's exactly. get there in a, for a few days
2: yeah exactly <laughs> um, so it, that's fine for me as long as they come home the I'd hate it if they didn't but you know yeah. I'd get to see them enough and we talk a lot but so two of them had already gone to the States and then we decided to tried doing Red Nose Day in America. Mm-hmm. So Richard, my boyfriend, who started Red Nose Day here, began Red Nose Day USA and we moved to America for a year to try and get it off the ground. And he was also working for the United Nations as an ambassador. Right. So he spent the year doing one or the other. And I thought it would... I mean, obviously, I, as director of Red Nose Day UK, I wanted to support him doing Red Nose Day yeah. in America. And I thought it would be an adventure. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to live abroad properly for a year. And the kids were at the age where they could easily come out of school. They didn't have a set of exams coming yeah. up or, a you know, graduation into another school. So it didn't matter too much with them if they had a bit of a wobbly academic year. Yeah. So we took them out of their schools here. We rented out our house, which paid for their school fees and our house in America. And the flights, <laughs> it worked really well. And uh, we put them into schools in New York. We rented a little house in the West Village and we had this amazing year. And I also took, for the first time ever, I took a column, mm-hmm. a weekly column for The Telegraph. And so I wrote about living in New York every week for a year. Yeah. And that turned it into even more of an adventure than it had been because I had to have something to write about every week. And I did do an entire column once about the school run, <laughs> which is a bit of a stretch, and really not my finest work. And then had to go, OK, I really need to work on this. So I began looking for New York adventures that were kind of age, either age appropriate or age inappropriate. Okay. And just having, you know, an English woman abroad type experiences. Yeah. So, you know, one week I went to seven different psychics. To find out, you know, what they were going to say about my future, I went... With no were they
0: all completely different? Completely
2: different, obviously. <laughs> um, I did no pants on the subway day okay. in the middle of January, which is a thing there right. where thousands, I mean, actually tens and sometimes hundreds of thousands of people ride the subway in the middle of January when it is minus 10 yeah, degrees yeah, yeah. with no pants, i.e. trousers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're allowed to wear your pants as okay. in knickers. Yeah. My parents and kids really love. So, that day. Why? No, they hated it. <laughs> they <actually laughs> did you just do it for leave. one day? Yeah.
0: Were the kids with you? Uh,
2: no, but they saw the photos. <laughs> they they
0: were so disgusted. It
2: was fantastic. <laughs> to be honest, I
0: have seen the photo, and you've got lovely legs, so it's all fine.
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just did a different thing every week and wrote about it. We went, you know, we went to a ranch and we heard it. Cows across a valley, and yeah. you know, we did all that sort of thing. And, and
0: was it lovely as a family to be going over and and experiencing that together? Yeah, it was
2: very bonding. Yeah, very, very. We became much closer than we would have done.
0: I know you you were working over there, but I think when you're working here and you're stuck in a rut and you're doing the same thing all the time, it's hard to get everyone together and to really re, like regroup. Whereas yeah. actually, if you're all you if you all up sticks and go somewhere else, then you're all in the same boat.
2: And you need each other and you're all seeing somewhere with fresh eyes. You're mm. all going, oh, look, I didn't even know that existed. And you're all not knowing it existed together rather than endlessly showing your kids stuff that you did yeah. or the way that you were parented. Or Yeah, no, it became very vibrant for all of us. It was lovely. It's the third time we've done it. We lived in Bali when they were little. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's where Richard wrote Love Actually.
0: I mean, what an inspirational place to write. Yeah, it was good. How have you managed
2: the work-life balance? Complicatedly. Mm. I have to rebalance it All the time. When I was endlessly getting it wrong, I thought in a few years time, I will have nailed this. I'll I'll crack it. And I'm 56 now and I haven't cracked it yet. And I still have to daily, if not hourly, have to look at myself and go, "Okay, I need to change this again.
0: I think we're just so used to looking at other people and going, she's just getting that balance right. Whereas actually, I, I regularly find myself messaging friends and going, I've not got this right. Yeah. And everyone, who, people who I think have it all together, they're like, no, no, neither have I.
2: No, but, you know, I think we're very hard on ourselves when we don't get it right. Mm. And in the same way that you might have one day where you, you know, you eat two bars of chocolate, and you go, oh, I shouldn't have really done that. But that doesn't mean that you've let your entire diet down. Yeah. It just means the next day you go, oh, I'm not going to do that today. I'm yeah. just going to have a bit of a healthy day. And I think it's the same, but I think every time we get it wrong, we go, I failed in my life. <laughs> and I think it's just a question of going, okay, this week didn't work so well, onwards. That's you know. so true. And the joy, the absolute privilege that I am very, very aware is a privilege is being a freelancer mm-hmm. and being allowed to call my own shots in yeah. these things. Even with Red Nose Day, I can up it and down it according to. You know, what's going on at home, what's going on with Richard? You know, I, yeah. I work with him and I do the scripts for well, him. because that's
0: also really important, isn't it? And making sure that as a couple you have time.
2: Well, I think it's, if you have a good relationship, mm. it's normally therefore deprioritised, yeah. which makes it not a good relationship. Mm-hmm. So then you have to up the priority of yeah. that. And then you go back to having a good relationship and then you deprioritise it again. That's why it always needs rebalancing because yeah. it always changes.
0: Is it nice then when you're working together?
2: Richard and I have always worked together and I can't imagine not working together. It's yeah. the best thing that we do. He he asked me to script edit the very first thing he wrote when we started going out together 27 years ago. And I said, I've never script edited and thanks very much for the compliment, but honestly <laughs> I haven't a clue what I would do. And he said, no, 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 but we've talked about this particular film yeah. so much and what I'm trying to do with it and what I'd like it to be like and we've endlessly discussed the characters and things. And he said, you know what i am trying to aim for so if you script edit it your only agenda will be trying to help me get the thing in the shape that i wanted to get in you won't be looking at how much money it will make Mm -hmm. who we could cast it for whether it'll have an american audience you'll just be looking at is this the thing that he passionately wants to write so i thought, okay well that's literally all i can bring to the table and it was that was all he needed so i've done that ever since
0: Having so much going on, though, with Comic Relief, I don't, I can't, I don't know timings. of What was happening before Scarlet arrived? But was it difficult to go? Okay, I'm going to bring motherhood into this as well.
2: No, it wasn't. I was very ready for it. Yeah, I'd been working as a TV presenter for fifteen years, and I'd been working as a script editor for Richard. We'd already made Four Weddings and a Funeral, right. and Bernard and the Genie, and. Um,
0: Figuratively. That one. That amazing
2: one. That one. So we'd done those three together and I was kind of over the TV presenting side of thing. I really loved it. I'd gone much further than I ever thought I would be able to. I'd always thought that my career was going to be as a PA in the gallery on a TV show with a script with a clipboard and a pen. That was really all I was aiming at. (laughs) And then I managed to get work presenting and then presenting kids' shows and then presenting news and then presenting mm. documentary series and, you know, chat shows suddenly. And it was like, oh, I never thought this would happen. And how amazing that it has. And I'm done now. That was, that <laughs> really? was
0: enough.
2: Yeah, you know, it was yeah. just, it was enough. Yeah. So I was completely ready to have the kids. And knowing that I would always carry on with Richard and that I, my work with Red Nose Day was also beginning to heat up so I'd right. gone from licking envelopes there to helping out on reception to doing a little bit here and there to uh, you know working up towards being creative director and then director of Red Nose Day. Yeah. So actually it all kind of morphed in my 30s from one career to another and yeah. the kids actually fitted quite nicely into that and I never had to take a very long contract with anything that I was doing. Everything that I did was flexible so I could always work it around having babies.
0: But having so many things and juggling you know you were saying about bore- being bored it's not surprising when as a mum you are kind of focused on the baby And actually there are so many other things that you're used to juggling it's like a one job but actually you're used to juggling so many balls
2: but being a mum is like juggling a whole load of balls oh, as yeah, well don't you find yeah, mind? yeah. Because you've got their, their health and yeah. you've got their education and you've got the fun and you've got, they've got to be clean and they've got to do reading, you yeah. know. It's, they've got to brush their teeth. And yeah. I mean, it, that's, a, you know, it's got its own, you know, mechanic. So did you take time off? Yeah, 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 loads. Did you? Yeah, absolutely loads. And I still do.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
0: At a wedding with you like four years ago and i must have been feeling my boobs at some point because i know that i was away from buzz and that my bo- i was feeling it at the time and my boobs were probably heavy and hard <laughs> and i can remember saying something to you and you said to me how when you'd given up breastfeeding you'd cried you'd made the decision and then you were like but that really stuck with me For both of them, actually, because every time I kind of thought about, so when am I going to finish, I I always thought of you and thought, am I happy? Is now the right time? Because now there's no turning back.
2: Yeah, you you can't reverse it. No. Your body completely, you absolutely can't change your mind on it. Yeah. And were you happy?
0: Was it okay? Yeah, it was like uh, 30 months. I thought, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. You're on food now.
2: I remember my last ever breastfeed now. It made me feel a bit (laughs) emotional (laughs) too. It was Christmas Eve. Oh. Yeah. And Spike was one, and it was yeah, that was the end. And I remember thinking it's quite a poetic day to do it on.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I can just remember you saying, "Well, (laughs) is it?" it?" and then regretting it. How big did your boobs get when you were pregnant? When you were feeding? Huge, huge, and they don't look good. They don't. It's not a good look, is it? No, no. No, maybe. And the milky stains. Oh
2: no, it's not nice.
0: I mean, I'm just about to go back into it, but just the thought of that smell—I just smell all the time. Yeah. Didn't matter if I just got out of the shower. Literally if I just got out of the shower, I could still smell cheesy milk. I got to a K. Did you? I got to a K. Oh my god. Think about a K G. I mean that's my head.
2: Yeah, I know, it was. There's we've got a little video at home when I first had scarlet and the milk came in on the third day and I was asleep in our bed <laughs> and Richie got the little video camera out, which in yeah. those days was quite a big video camera. <laughs> and he stood next to me near the pillow. And he began videoing me sleeping, weirdo, and he walked (laughs) all the way around the bed until he came to the pillow on the other side and at no point in the video can you see my face.
0: (laughs) Well, because they're so rock-hard and they stay there? okay. Oh, gosh. It wasn't wasn't a good look. (laughs) So with the work that you do for Comic Relief and Red Nose Day, has it affected the way that you bring up the kids? Because, I mean, Scarlett's online now. She's blogging and and she seems so kind and so empathetic and just a wonderful human. And, you know, she's a, she's an activist and she's she's spreading love everywhere. Do you think that comes... It must come from you and Richard. And you're, you know, because have you... Did you take them ever to, to different countries and, and show them what else was going on?
2: Yeah, we have done a little bit, not very much. Mm. We've taken them to Africa a couple of times and shown them projects there. It's hard. That I don't know. You know, when they get bigger, it's really, really difficult to see yeah. which bits of them are because of you, which bits of them are despite you, which bits of them were going to happen regardless of yeah. you. And you can't really take ownership of any of it. You just yeah. have to kind of hope that the whole muddle ends up with something that, you know, is, is vaguely harmonious and they're not dead. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> as much as I think you can aim for. And actually, the lower your expectations, the better, really, by the time it get to the nation. <laughs> But with all our kids, what we have tried to do is to get them engaged with Red Nose Day mm-hmm. and sport relief when it happens.
0: And that's something, actually, I think you did with all children everywhere. Because well, I, for me, it felt like the first charity thing that I did was definitely a Red Nose Day. Was related. it? Yeah. Oh. And it felt like such a big celebration every every year when it came around. It was something that all kids could get involved with. Well, I'm
2: thrilled to hear
0: that. But, you
2: know, because because I'm director and because that's what I do most of the time, I'm endlessly hearing about kids who have, you know, done a marathon in their wheelchairs <laughs> and, you know, done extraordinary things, gone without sweets for two years to give all the sweet money <laughs> to us and stuff like Aww. that. So I was always quite ambitious that our yeah. children would do something significant. And I remember the first year that Jake, my first, my eldest son, was old enough to really choose his own thing to do for Comic Relief and then do it. And he did a sponsored sweet-a-thon day.
0: Did he just do laser sweets? He just set as many sweets <laughs> as he possibly could.
2: And we were a little bit like, okay, it's nice. That you're doing it. We kind of hoped it might be a little bit more meaningful. And then the next year he did a watching all of the Harry Potter movies in a row. I mean, he is selfless, night.
0: isn't he? Yeah, he just, and he managed to give, raise give, give.
2: 17 pounds, all of which he spent <laughs> on takeaway pizza while he was watching that. Oh, my gosh. None of it worked. <laughs> and then there was one very special year where for Sport Relief, he decided that he was going to duct tape his younger brother to our front door. <laughs> So and Spike was only about 6 at the time so he put him like up a little step ladder duct taped him onto the door with about four reels of duct tape and then took the step ladder away and just left him there <laughs> Including one bit of duct tape over his mouth. No. Yeah.
0: Did you know this was happening yeah, you we had to me? Yeah, we thought it
2: was quite funny. And then he took a photo of it and he sent the photograph round to all of Spike's godparents <laughs> right. and said, But give some money to Relief or the kid stays there all night. And we raised two thousand pounds. No two thousand quid. He also put it online and it got a bit of, you know, traction. But that was great. So he sort of redeemed that. sort of yeah. 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 But it's been slightly disappointing that the children haven't right you know done the marathon they've really gone the easy route
0: (laughs) there's still time they are maybe they're young but Scarlett's doing so much now
2: she is she she has become very very politicized which Mm. makes me so proud and then this thing happens to you and you're going to love it when this happens which is that they begin teaching you so i literally i learn more from my daughter Um, who's 22, than from any other part of my life, than from any book I read, from any podcast I listen to. She's, I mean... She's now like my education. Yeah. It's brilliant that. <laughs> and actually the same with my son who's begun doing a load of improv and he takes me to improv shows and things that I would... And then my 16-year-old starts... We go to gigs together and music that I would never have listened to suddenly. I mean, his, he was huge on heavy metal for a while. It's was quite painful. Oh, I remember my brother going through a phase. Quite painful. But, you know, it's quite nice to go, OK, I would never listen to this, but the only thing my 16-year-old has said to me this month is, do you want to listen to this? So. <laughs> I, you know i kind of got to yeah. go there and yeah. you
0: kind of go okay okay i can hear that. that's quite an interesting drum beat <laughs> <laughs> take whatever you can and it's an interesting drum beat but yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking earlier about Scarlett and and you two have been you've written a, an article together about her depression yeah. and helping helping her through it and, and with your bond and everything that must have been really difficult as as a mum to watch your daughter going going through something like that I mean, Sir so Thomas bipolar and I have to... I, I'm very aware of when it happens, but I know there's only so much I can do.
2: Yeah, that boundary is crucial, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as a parent, it's, it's awful, you know. It's sort of the worst thing. Mm. And Scarlett got very ill at the age of 14 mm. with a physical problem, which was so debilitating that once, even when we sorted out the physical problem two and a half years later the depression that it caused then was further debilitating for the next couple of years so we had five really really tough years mm-hmm. with her and she had five years living in hell really and it's incredibly tough but as a parent just like when they their nappies burst or <laughs> when they projectile vomiting or when they're really hating school at nursery level, or you know whatever it is, rather than having an emotional response to it, you go practical, don't you? Yeah. You go, oh okay, we'll get the wet wipes and we'll clear that up. Yeah. Rather than going, oh, I hate this too. And when your 19 sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-old daughter becomes, you know, clinically depressed and and having with you know and terribly, terribly sick. Physically as well. All you can do, all I could do, you know, was to do what I could do. Mm. And you and finding out just like you do with Tom, finding out the places where your ability to help starts and stops Mm. is the puzzle that you're aiming to to try and achieve. And it's it's really hard and you want to make everything better and you can't. Yeah. And you can only do what you can do and you do it to the best of your ability. And after that, you just have to let yourself off the hook. But, yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, it was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and yeah. I I don't think I'll ever have to face anything as hard again and I hope she never does. But it has, you know, I used to hate it when she was first sick and people would say, oh, I know it's awful now but it'll be the making of her and I'm sure she'll emerge much stronger by the end. And you kind of thought, you know, after a month, I'd have bought that. But it's now been three years, four years, five years. And to see your daughter like that. So tough. But having now seen her come out of it seven years later, actually, she is so much more extraordinary as a human now because of the hell that she lived through than she would have been had she just gone to school, maybe gone to college, got a job. You know, she's a very... Unusual and feisty person. She's not problem free. She still has terribly dark days. Mm. Her hair is so fluorescent purple; it <laughs> sometimes hurts my eyes. Um, but she's she's a she's a heck of a she's she's an extraordinary girl. Mm.
0: Have you uh, have you felt emptiness syndrome with the other two going? Do you worry about the younger two leaving? Um,
2: that's a good question.
0: No, I haven't. I felt,
2: I felt, I feel pangs of missing for the big two who've gone, but I've still got the little two at home and I feel the 16 year old beginning to, you know, emotionally leave the nest. So I'm aware that that is going to come. And while there's a kind of rush of, but I like a noisy house. I like a messy house. I like it when it's chaotic and busy. I love it when they have their friends over. Um, I also think that as soon as they do move out, I'll create something else That's that will true. come along and fill it. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited about getting older. I was quite excited when I got the sack from Tatlick. I thought, okay, <laughs> something else. I'm going to find something else to fill that I've little gap. I've got space. I've got I've space. Got exactly. So I think as long as I don't wallow in the missing and yeah. as long as I kick in with something going, okay, we're, we're going to do that cruise. You know, that <laughs> nice. thing that people do, do. We'll never do the cruise, by the way. But, you know, something. They'll. Yeah. Will yeah. be something that will happen, and I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. Even when your youngest goes?
2: Because I yeah.
0: imagine that must be... I think, uh, for me, so when Buddy started nursery recently, I was put like, oh, he's sad, but he's, he's sort of the bullshit one anyway. He's, he's fine. But I think knowing that I've got a third one, it kind yeah. of took, a, it took that away a little bit, whereas I think the next one, when they go off and realising that that might be my last child going off to nursery or going off to school, I do think I'm going to feel a bit... Well, I'm emotional anyway.
2: Do you know? I think there's a sort of an amazing thing that happens naturally with parenting, which is that by the time they go, you're kind of ready for it. Yeah. You know, I, I've already been a mum for twenty-two years, and by the time <laughs> Spike leaves home yes. in another four, it'll be twenty-six. <laughs> That's and so it's, true. You know, it's it's been a long time. Yeah. And yeah, short term. Mm short-term sort of heartache for long-term party.
0: Well, well, and also, I guess there's that that thing when you do see each other once they've moved out. That time is really amazing. Yeah,
2: it's gorgeous.
0: You must feel your own social life start to come back as the kids get older. Yes.
2: I don't know, actually. I haven't haven't got to that place yet. Really? I'm sure I will.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, But at the moment, it's what I was saying, that my four best friends are my four kids right now. So... Actually, they're they're all to some extent. They're all the the really really close friends that I need. So yes, but I'm sure when they go, um, I'll start annoying my friends.
0: <laughs> They'll be like Emma, it's been 26 years. Doing? <laughs> we we don't even do that anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, the world has changed a lot in terms of social media yeah. since you've had kids. Was that something that worried you? Because all of a sudden, people, like lots of people, lots of children, they go home and they don't leave school behind. You know, it it travels home with them. I mean, I used to have like an hour long phone call with Tom when I used to get home, you know, and God knows what we were talking about. But that would be it. You you know, your parents knew you on the phone to that person. And that was that. And I can remember at 13, he got mobiles. And I wonder for me how that would have changed if I'd have had the Internet on my phone at that point as well and then been so accessible. And how do you play that with with your kids? It's
2: really complex, this, isn't it? I mean, I think about it almost all the time at the moment. Because I had my two big kids when social media didn't exist, and my two little kids are living right in the heart of the heat of the moment. With Scarlett, because she got ill at 14 and was so housebound, the internet... Which was, you know, this is nine years ago now. Was much more in its earlier days, but it was. It became her absolute lifeline and her education. And yeah. she says she wouldn't be alive without it. That it rescued her from the depths of depression, you know, again and again and again. She found a support network there. She found her education there. She learned everything she knows about life from it because she didn't have school. And so she has this immense gratitude to the entire online world yeah. for the fact that it served her so well when she really, really needed it. And then you flip to my 14-year-old, who, I mean, 50% of our conversation is, Spike, can you get off your phone? Yeah. And him going, oh, Mom.
0: <laughs> and But what is he doing on it? That's why I always think, like, what are we always... We're all so wrapped in our phones that we forget that actually life is happening right in front of us.
2: It completely know what I mean. And I worry for your two kids, your yeah. three kids, when you get older, because I'm finding it almost impossible with a 14-year-old who's lived with th- this level of social media for the last, what, five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But your kids it, will have been born into it. Yeah. You know, I've no idea what... I mean, you probably won't do communicating through your mouth by the time they're <laughs> no. teenagers, will you? You know, it'll be something else. So I don't know. I think it's incredibly difficult. I think it's a massive problem.
0: I have no... I mean, we limit... Our teenagers massively. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I know how to do it. But, but it's no gift, no different when we were younger, especially with, the with boys, with the telly or with video games. Like my, I know that my brother and my sister, because they were both into video games, had like a time limit of what they were allowed to play on it for. You know. So I guess it's no different to to that. And yet it
2: is because, you know, Spike will have to have his phone when he doesn't have to, but it is convenient for him to have his phone when he goes to school because if he gets into trouble or if he needs to get an Uber or if he has to get CityMapper to work out how to get to his basketball match after the game and then how's he going to get home and he needs to communicate with me on the WhatsApp and, you know, so you have to have your phone about you at all times. So how do you limit that?
0: So So I can't
2: say you you can only have it for an hour in the evening because I've already given it to him for 14 hours in the day so that he can actually function. So, you know, it's a whole different ballpark.
0: And they do. They literally help us function.
2: And he sees me functioning on mine, yeah. so it's you know most of the time I'm looking at my phone when I'm shouting at him, telling him to get off his. None of that works. <laughs>
0: He's not even looking at him. Can you just get off it your phone? Absolutely not.
2: <laughs> so I completely haven't worked out how to make that work, and yeah. I'm sure we'll all be casualties of that in the long term.
0: I guess a large part of it is is making sure that they're aware of the good good places on the on the internet, because I think you know it gets such a bad rep, but actually, like for Scarlett, actually it it has amazing communities on there of really supportive people and it's not all about trolls and negativity and
2: no and and spike my boy knows i mean infinite amounts about the sports that he's passionate about and their history and you know and what's happening in the i mean people come and say oh i'm following this baseball game in cincinnati and he'll go oh wasn't that a great you know try by so and he knows because he's seen it on his instagram feed yeah. and this that. so you know there's obviously those fantastic benefits on the other hand he was conned out of ten thousand pounds out of my bank account when he was trolled when he was eight years old by someone who managed to get our bank details from it oh so we've gosh. had absolutely had both sides of it
0: oh my gosh yeah it's a you know scary world out there yeah I mean, take us back to you know the simplicity of like things like Love Actually. <laughs> take us there, Emma. Take us there. On it's over. <laughs> but you know, it, with those sorts of films moving forward, you kind of wonder how social media and and phones and everything how they'd have a massive effect on them, because really, it's 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 huge. It's everywhere.
2: We've got we've got a new movie that Richard and I are working on at the moment. Tell that me more. He's written. Well, it's very, it's very new. It hasn't started filming yet. Okay. But it's being directed by Danny Boyle. Do you know who
0: i mean that? I think I know the Oscar winner. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty and, sure I do. Yeah, <laughs>
2: basically the greatest director in the world <laughs> agreed to do it. movie. Mean, there was such a fantastic moment where he came to um, to discuss it with us. Yeah. He said, I want to tell you what, you know, because he'd read the script and said, I'd, I'd love to direct it. And I want to tell you my kind of idea for it to see if you like it. Yeah. And we wanted to say... You don't have to. You can <laughs> just do yes, it anyway. Yeah. And He said, "I okay, I'm here for the pitch." He turned up at our house. It's like you don't need to pitch. You've got it. It's yours. Whatever you want. That's it on Mars. It's fine.
0: And that must be another thing for your kids, actually, because of all the things we've got. I mean, you and Richard are just great people, anyway. And you know, the work that you do is just outstanding. Shut up. <laughs> but um, because of everything that you do, you know, unbelievable people. So for the kids it must be like, Oh yeah, there's Hugh Grant, oh, yeah, there's that <laughs> whatever, whatever. Hi, Uncle Hugh. You know, it must let be like whatever. But that's good. Because, you know, they're so they don't they're not phased by it. It's quite balancing, I suppose. We we do a lot of comic relief
2: um Meetings at yeah. our house. And if you know, when we're doing Red nose Day, we'll have the meetings with all the presenters there. And if yeah. we're doing a new sketch thing, or we're, when we're doing the films, we'll have cast sessions at our home. And the kids have learned to stay in their bedrooms when that happens. Oh, really? Yeah, they just can't be bothered to come downstairs. <laughs> it's like, so oh, boring. don't go down. You get introduced <laughs> and you don't want to say anything. Just stay upstairs. <laughs> it's too annoying. So, so, yeah, brilliant. it's probably not a bad thing in a way, but yeah. but it certainly hasn't made them starry-eyed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we think that with um, with with the boys, when they see, like, when they watch videos of Fly Guys and stuff, and they're just like, yeah, that's what Daddy does. Yeah. It's so funny. They must go to school thinking that that's what all dads do. Oh, but imagine Daddy being a pop star. That would be exciting. I can remember, actually, about ten years ago, uh, one of the girlfriends saying, you know... When you know they're not going to be doing that when we have kids. Uh, yeah, they are.
2: <laughs> I don't know how Mick Jagger's kids feel. Do you think wow. they get embarrassed when they see him dancing the way that my kids get embarrassed when they see my dance, Me dancing.
0: No, because it's Mick Jagger. Oh, it's because it's Mick Jagger. Yeah, that's, right. yeah. that's the difference. He basically isn't it? invented oh, some moves. That's and, it. You know.
2: That's it. I knew there was a
0: difference. <laughs> Forgot for a second. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've got great moves, Emma. I'm I sure so I'm sure.
2: don't ask any of my children.
0: <laughs> so we finish each podcast uh, with three sentences. So you've just got to finish these three sentences for me. It's very simple. Okay. Okay, being a mum means... Looking very,
2: looking very <laughs> panicked. What, what, what? <laughs> it means having to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to give them breakfast. I hate that. Still. Still. Come
0: on, kids, I teenagers. I know, I know. I thought when Buzz turns five, I'll be out of that. Oh, I
2: wish. Although, what I do they have for breakfast? Oh, this morning, bacon and egg sandwiches. But I did go back to bed after it. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, just get us get some cereal. Get us some milk.
2: Yeah, dairy intolerant. You know, <sighs> yeah, all that.
0: Taste. So I make my <laughs> own bread, and they hate it. <laughs> you try, Emma. You try. <laughs> Since being a mum, I
2: have become a better person. Less selfish,
0: yeah.
2: harder working, more focused, m- kinder. I think I was a bit of a wanker when I was younger. Really? I'm less of a wanker now. But probably more of a wanker for just saying I'm less of a wanker
0: now. <laughs> we won't judge, we won't judge. And I'm happy when?
2: Uh, my kids are happy. And home. Yeah. And not arguing. <laughs> and bringing me tea. In bed quite. and watching a TV show that I want to watch, not just them.
0: Okay, quite specific. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And
2: only at those moments. Okay.
0: Okay. The rest of the time, miserable. You seem like a really miserable person, to be honest. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, to heaven. <laughs> thank you.
1: Even on a budget.